Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I give a shit. I give a shit about you today. You know, uh, it's getting, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good because I think it's, you know why I'm feeling good? Not just because it's getting to be spring. I'm feeling good because I'm going to L.A. to visit my friend Spencer tomorrow. Woo! Woo! Yay! And I'm going by myself. That's what uh, couples therapy has done for me. It's liberated me to go on a trip and, and ditch my husband. He's great. He's great. This couples therapy has been really good for us. I just want to say that. Phil, if you're listening, thanks for those new speakers and the necklace, too. Um, you know, we're coming up to that time, the first Thursdays, our first Thursdays showcases, uh, first Thursdays at the well. And um, it's uh, April 5th. You should be there at the well. And uh, we've got uh, three different takes on the exciting, exploding music, local music scene. Post-punk rock of even twice. They're going to start off. Then we're going to have Strep Throat. Who names these bands? We'll follow. Ah, Strep Throat, really? And uh, we're closing out the evening will be Voreen in all their deviant glory. I like deviant stuff. Uh, mix old new upcoming release. Ooh, that'll be. Ex- so there'll be a lot of great energy. That's what that means. So the doors open at eight. Music starts at 8.30. If you buy the tickets today, they're 8 bucks and 10 bucks at the door. And we'll also help out Radio Free Brooklyn, which is a nonprofit. And we need all the nonprofit media that we can get. And we, we, we are a very diverse station. We have everything on here. And we're all inclusive. So it would be worth your while to give us, throw us a couple of bucks. Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com donate and there you go so i have a i'm very excited i'm i'm actually i don't know am i nervous i don't think i'm nervous well you know why i'm nervous because this is as a uh, interviewer this is a little bit of a challenge to me because i have a person who is so uh accomplished in my in so many ways that i don't even know if i can sort of uh consolidate that enough and and then focus on one area to get through this interview in under an hour now. But I'm going to do that because I can do it, man. Right, Celeste? I'm excited to see you do it. (laughs) So that's Celeste. Celeste Rogers is on the show today. And the reason I met Celeste was through my stepson, who, as I always say, I love dearly, Christopher, Christopher Bueller. That's the son of the guy I'm in couples therapy with. He's 28 now. I've known him since he was eight years old. And he is getting married to the, the absolute, most wonderful, most smart, talented, lovely. I mean, I can't believe it. I am so thrilled that he is getting married to this lovely person, Liz Cadillary. And this is how I know Celeste. Through Liz, they... uh went to college in the same place. They met each other when they were leaving three years, leaving Texas three years ago. And 
Celeste is here today. So let's get right. Right. Celeste, did I kind of get that sort of that's right? right. We actually didn't meet until three years ago. But yes, we're from the same hometown. And I'm so blessed to have met her. Well, I can totally see why Celeste and Liz are friends because they're both really smart, really gorgeous and really talented and also really tall. Although Liz is six feet. How tall are you? Celeste? I'm 5'10". I'm the yeah. runt. They, they look like <laughs> they're all, of, you know, I'm always, I'm always saying that all the photographs of Liz, Liz and her friends, Liz and Christopher, they're like stock photos. They're just all like gorgeous you know anyway so that's maybe why i'm nervous i don't know they're they're they look they all look so like they have their shit together you know (laughs) little do you know (laughs) we're gonna find out we're gonna find out so liz's main thing i mean liz celeste's main thing is uh cooking food recipe development yeah recipes all the food science okay so, but the reason she's here at this moment, even though I've known her a couple of years now, is because she just came off the win, win, that's right, championship of the show on the Food Network Chopped. Correct. Yes. And uh, she's also a, she's also been a competitive swimmer. She has a master's degree in public policy on a scholarship from the University of Texas and she has also uh she loves organic chemistry and um yeah she's a competitive swimmer she she was in the pre-olympic trials when she was 12 so do you see what i'm saying so celeste tell us a little bit about your experience on tell us you know explain the show explain okay so for those of you who had not watched uh chopped before it's the number one show on the food network by the way, I'd also never watched it until I was cast on it. Sorry, um, I'm not much of a TV person either. But uh, I started watching these episodes, obviously going into the competition to understand the format. You open a basket and you're given four key ingredients that you must use. And then you have a pantry of ingredients and other tools around. And the competition is to make an appetizer in 20 minutes. And you're judged on your creativity. You're judged on taste, presentation, etc., Um, and then somebody gets chopped and then there's a new basket and an entree round. And so this continues on until there's one left standing. So I would say it's not that I won, it's just, I wasn't chopped. Oh God, there there you go. She's also like, you know, she's also like not an egomaniac, which is not true of all my guests. (laughs) So, um, so anyway, it was really impressive. She was the only female. I also love that they didn't doll you up. Well, there's no hair and makeup on that show, and it's really? 16 hours. So, um, yeah, we're talking all the grease ball. And you can zone in and see every last pore. It's sexy. One, one, one of the things that I loved about the show, besides like watching you create magic, it's like, how does she know how to use a, an ice cream machine? Like, you just walk in and you know how to use their ice cream machine? Uh, we did get a tour of the kitchen for about 15 minutes where they pointed out where all the tools were. Um, but that said, you're expected to be a professional chef, which is that we've worked with a variety of machines before. And that said, each one's a little different. I did struggle for a minute with their meat grinder and the, the entree round, putting it together properly to make sure that I was using, you know, their their pieces correctly. Well, it was really crazy because it really showed... I mean, when you, when, like in my situation, watching somebody that you've met and you know a bit 
doing all these magical things, um, it makes you realize like how much you know, like you really, you, like how complicated it is and how much knowledge you really have. Yeah, well, I mean, there's craftsmanship to anything. I wouldn't, I would walk into your art studio and wonder where do I mix paints and how do <laughs> no I way. stretch a canvas? Like they're, they're just things that you learn over time through experience. And um, I've spent a long time in the kitchen and lots of different kitchens. But it is really fun to see somebody that you've met show exactly what they're great at. And and I think I think that's why Phil and I enjoyed one of the reasons we enjoyed that so much. But I also thought it was actually what really cool, like from the feminist point, there's that F word point of view, because uh, you were competing with these guys and there was really it was really seamless as far as you being a woman. They didn't treat you any differently. They didn't make you. I love that they didn't like fuss make you look fuss you know fuss you fuss with you well thank you i mean hopefully that says good things about the industry and um the direction that we're moving in to be i think more and more accepting of women in the food industry which i think is always a shocking thing to tell people that aren't in the food industry because we often think in our home personal lives that moms cook you know it's kind of a female duty but the reality in the professional industry is it has been a predominantly male um kind of dominated mm-hmm. kitchens you mm-hmm. see those everywhere so um it's because it's such a physical job we're lifting mm-hmm. often 50 right. plus pounds at a time and sure. running up and down stairs with it and mm-hmm. um and there's a little bit of machismo i think in a lot of restaurant kitchens but that said, my personal experience has always been really great working with the men and women mm-hmm. that I have. Mm-hmm. So you don't in your uh, let's just be clear that your end of the food business is in recipe development and stuff like, yeah. like behind. We, we were talking about this, but I want to talk more about this because a lot of the work that you do is because you're pretty in my book, young, 33, uh, but a lot of the work that you do is sort of a bit behind the scenes in that you're developing recipes and stuff for people that do cookbooks or corporate. Right. What, what tell us about so, that? So um, I did start, by the way, in restaurants I'm and sure. I did go to culinary school. I've worked in Michelin starred restaurants, but pretty quickly left that world because I wanted to be involved in developing concepts and ideas around food, whether that be for the home cook or I did have some experience developing for industrial kind of products. So I worked at Cook's Illustrated Magazine, America's Test Kitchen, where I was tasked with creating the perfect recipe for something and testing it 50 different ways and then writing an article about it, ultimately for the sake of entertainment for a magazine or for a TV show. Um, and that was always under somebody else's, you know, PBS television show or their NPR radio show or mm-hmm. their cookbook. Mm-hmm. Um, I even uh, did all the recipe content for a cookbook that won an award for the best cookbook in the U.S. And that was for a fabulous restaurateur. Um, but again, you know, he had the selling power to be able to push this book, but I had the know-how to make the recipes. I want to ask through. you about that. Did Do you feel like, quite honestly, do you feel like you did all the work? Um, or like a bulk of the, do you think that a lot of the ideas were yours? Yes. And yet I think that there's no such thing as a new idea also in food. And he's played a key role in being able to build restaurant business from scratch Mm -hmm. and create the notoriety. So, um, 
I could certainly just be shouting ideas in a vacuum and they may be brilliant ones, but nobody's going to listen. Well, there's no question that you benefited from it and probably got, I hope, got paid. I did. This was my first. Oh, I probably was an idiot for my negotiations because I had no, I didn't take a stake. I didn't take a percentage. Uh. I just moved to New York, fresh out of a divorce, no job, frozen bank accounts, no idea how I was going to get my first month's rent paid. And I got so lucky um, with a connection, friend of a friend of a friend who passed my name around. And so I got this cold email from this guy saying, hey, I want to write a cookbook. I hear you're the one to edit all the recipes, um, produce the recipe content. And so I just negotiated a deal to pay my rent. Wow. <laughs> you didn't have any you didn't have any help. I mean, you don't, do you have an agent or manager, no, nothing? No, so that, that was, that link is so great. Do you great. now? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Should I? I don't know. I mean, if, I if think, it, involves, I don't know. it involves anybody out there want to make some money off a very talented person who's going to be very successful soon, uh, I would imagine that if you're working with uh, people that are paying you money and have, if there's a deal, I would get a, you know, a, a lawyer, a manager. Of some sort. Well, right? I am. I'm definitely open to suggestions because this is a brave new world for me, and I don't even know where to start. So please. Yeah. Well, you know, all the people that manage me, I'll have a little meeting. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Anybody out there? Oh, I've had some people on the show. I last guy. Never mind. Anyway, uh, I'm sure. Believe you me. Uh, uh, you have enough credentials. Somebody will be just somebody will find you and and want to represent you uh so i'm so do you think that so you now have your you have a job that you do regularly i do tell us about that yeah i work with a company called sur la table which is a cookware store and some of their stores have kitchens hands-on teaching kitchens attached so i help run the culinary program which means um we teach, you know, multiple classes a day, everything from homemade croissants. By the way, Lisa, don't forget the homemade croissants oh, I, I brought I, you. I have my eye on them right now. Don't worry. <laughs> um, to Thai favorites or Mexican street food. And um, it's fun for me because I get to inspire people and show them how to cook. Um, and I also get to use my food science background and kind of geek out about um, little or- organic chemistry lessons because I can teach however I want. So I do. Do, do you think that uh, you, so you're dealing with the public? I am. I wow. love I love getting dirty and getting in there you with like the public. You like dealing with the public? I do. <laughs> I mean, I'm an extrovert. I'm the child of a child psychiatrist. I love talking to people. Your, your grandfather? father was a psychiatrist my father your is, father's yeah. a psychiatrist he was a doctor i didn't realize he was a psychiatrist yeah oh is he listening to this i hope not <laughs> gonna find out what a fraud i am hey i don't charge for this i never charge <laughs> so does he does he see patients he's a doctor he prescribes meds yes so he saw patients most of his career and actually then moved into he was a medical protector or sorry medical director of family protective services for the entire state for his final couple years wow so that was a public policy job for maybe the last five years but he had 30 35 years of being with patients so he's heard some really bad shit being in that job right he knows how bad bad things can be yes has that affected you? Does he share that with you? Or do he you does. look at him differently because of that? Or 
Um, I would say that if anything, it, it, that knowledge has made me kind of twofold appreciative for the family that I did grow up in and the privileges that I have had. Um, and then also aware that there are a lot of issues that I should, should try to be a part of helping a part of making like a positive change in. Yeah. Because before you came on the air, we were talking about all your different like abilities and careers and, and stuff. And one of the threads that um, I thought was really interesting that we talked about was that you really do somehow like to involve helping people, imparting information, teaching them, being giving them something they can use, right? What's right. that? What's that about? That's so what? No one on this show ever does that. Um, I mean, part of it is perhaps for my own intellectual masturbation. I like continuing to learn about anything, food, mm-hmm. people, and so if you're in an education role, you often get to be in a research role as well. Oh. So I get to learn myself. And then it's a matter of kind of repackaging that to inspire other people, to educate other people, whether that be about, you know, here's the perfect recipe for something or, hey, do you know the geopolitical history behind tequila? Let me tell you about it. Oy, oy, oy. Um, so it's it's fun, but I think it is probably also that I'm an extrovert and I like the spotlight and I like to tell people what I know. Wow, <laughs> that's great. We need we need more of this. Clearly, everybody. Um, so you loved organic chemistry. So you like all that stuff. Can you imagine somebody actually like loves that shit? So when, um, is that something I'm imagining and you tell me, is this true? I imagine that separates you from other chefs. Is that true? For sure. So um, the traditional path of learning to cook was very much an apprenticeship sort of line. You would go work for a, fam- for a famous or talented chef. Um, you just watch what they did and then try to replicate it. And through just sheer hours spent, you mm-hmm. would become a good chef mm-hmm. um, and possibly get to be a leader. And I feel like that's such an ass backwards way of approaching it because food is definitely something that you can apply certain properties of science to. So if instead mm-hmm. you understand why mm-hmm. and not just what the chef is doing, but why they're doing mm-hmm. what they do, then you might be able to not only replicate that with singular recipe, but you also might be able to come up with things on your own. And certainly that is the way that excellent chefs have approached it. So do top chefs all understand the chemistry? Um, some. I mean, they understand some chemistry. Um, and that's because we're constantly manipulating properties of water all day, every day, because mm-hmm. most food is water. But um, I feel very blessed in that I didn't have to kind of stumble through that learning. Right, I got the, the traditional. So when I was in medical school um, and I knew I wanted to drop out, I literally was reading these food science blogs written by this one chef who is a scientist. And he was talking about how we could use centrifuges to extract certain flavors and geeking out about chocolate. And I was literally studying that instead of my anatomy labs that I was supposed to be studying for. That's when I knew I needed to drop out. So that's when you, (laughs) I could see, I could see how cooking is more interesting than, um, than like cutting up a a dead body. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to talk about men and women in the food business. So you are in a certain, you're not the server or you're not in the, like in a restaurant, you don't work in a restaurant, you're in the food, you're in the food business, but you're in the kind of in the intellectual end, aren't you? 
Intellectual? Well, I would say it's entertainment. I'm kind of an educational entertainment. Um, but also understanding and yeah, well, you know, food is entertainment. I mean, you know, it's all entertainment, right? <laughs> but even in that, I'm saying that you're in an area of food that isn't, even though you're working with the public and stuff, they're paying to learn. You're not, you're not like on the front lines dealing with like people like, you know, sending back, you know, $50 steaks and stuff like right. that. Right. I mean, I, I have. You have. Yeah. So is, is that a sexist part of the business or like, I'm imagining that what you do doesn't have that, that level of sexism or what, tell me about all of that. Um, perhaps, perhaps I, w- I mean, definitely food media, which is where I've spent a lot of my time in media in general has a lot more women in it than you see in the, uh, food, food for consumption and industry, meaning mm-hmm. restaurant industry. Um, but lucky for me, I mean, I really did not experience much of that when I worked in professional kitchens, but there's just a little bit more of this like, uh, brashness in general in a restaurant kitchen versus in right. the setting that I'm in. And that's because it's kind of like you're going to war every day. I mean, <laughs> it seems a like- restaurant kitchen is fires blazing, people yelling. Uh, you're standing for at least 12 hour shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very raw. And so a lot of you feel like you've been to war together. And so then you can cuss more and you can talk more about your personal life and mm-hmm. all those things than mm-hmm. you see in traditional, quote, professional settings. <laughs> right, right. That's super, super high pressure. I also wonder if being, I always have this theory that uh, women that are good in sports or take up sports, go through that as a kid, are better better in like male-dominated situations. Yeah, I mean, I do actually love working with men because I think it traces back to having been an athlete and having studied math and science. I was always the only girl. Right. So I would train with the men's team because I was ah. faster than everyone on the women's team by a long shot. Um, so I I definitely um, feel comfortable kind of having my mm-hmm. my bros around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm kind of a guy's girl. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm tomboyish and like not wanting to be effeminate. But no, you more look just, very fem. You, you know, I'm comfortable <laughs> kind of being brash and right. being physical. Do you think sports has made being good at sports or being involved in sports has made you less neurotic? Yeah, for sure. So I definitely know certain tools that I have to calm myself down or create a mental idea of having control in a situation of no control. So there's little games I know to really? play with like myself. What? Tell us. We um, need to know. Okay, so I, I need to know. I, I know How do you act normal. Well, <laughs> I mean it's all it's all a show. <laughs> well, but sometimes when faking it, it has the effect of actually calming your nerves. Um I mean before big swim meets, um I remember walking out onto the blocks. They like parade you out in front mm-hmm. of your block. And you're standing there for kind of a long time. It's weird. They're like, announcing mm-hmm. people's names. It's a great time to freak out. It's a great mm-hmm. time to freak out. So I would just have these little rituals that I would drop into so that I wasn't paying attention to the freak out. And one of them was um, about sloughing the skin off my hands, which I know makes no sense, but you have better feel for the water. You've shaved your whole body down so that right. you can feel the water. Right. Um, and last little bit of dead skin, I would rub the blocks, which were like gritty, like sandpaper, so you didn't slip. Uh-huh. That's where you dive off of. Uh-huh. Rub, rub, clap, clap, rub, rub, clap, clap. 
And that was just kind of like my little ritual while I'm picturing my race and what I'm going to do. So I'm not listening to the announcer announce the girl's uh, name that I'm about to compete against. So you figured out an OCD totally thing to do. I have OCDs that work for me. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting that um, you've been able to compete with, with guys on a peer level, right? Yeah, I mean, in high school, by the time we're in college, if you're an NCAA mm-hmm. athlete, like, and you're a man, you should be a lot faster than so any ha- female. How how did that work at parties and stuff? Like, were the I mean, I imagine it's to to some degree. I mean, you seem you seem very grounded. So I'm not like saying that you're some babe that took advantage of it at all, but it does seem like an advantage. It seems like women, it seems a little threatening to the, to both sexes in different ways. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's not an advantage. It's mostly just kind of, um, some people perceive that as a threat. And then it means I don't get, I didn't, especially in high school, I wouldn't get as many dates because, Oh God, like, she's like a guy's girl or to women it's like oh she's so fast and good then oh gosh she's competition so wow kind of a lose 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 the friends lose the boyfriend (laughs) so do you think you're intimidating to men i don't think i'm intimidating to the men that i want (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome but do you think you're so but you're aware of being intimidating or like, what is that? What is that like? What is that like? Like, do men try to, um, I mean, now, well, you're a chef. So, I mean, do men try to be little, like, what, what is that like? How does it work out for you? Um, I would say that it definitely in all professional worlds, it plays out in a lot of taking credit for what other people do. And, you know, men, men do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, I mean, without going into specific examples, that's come out even in my personal life is I've noticed when people are kind of intimidated by, um, okay, I don't want to say that they're intimidated. Here's the experience. No, I'm saying that. that. That's okay. You can say, Um, I've already said it for you. I mean, my ex-husband used to do things like act like my job was a hobby. Um, Like it was kind of something I dabbled and played in. Um, and then when I was shining would take a lot of credit and we'd have like big media sort of events and he would be right there so that he's, you mean when you say big media events, meaning, okay, I'm getting honored for something. He would definitely be there, but then for for cooking or, or swimming or both. Yeah. Were you, were you honored when you were married to him? Were you honored for both at different times? Uh, no, by, by the time, um, I met him, I'd already stopped being a competitive swimmer. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it was cooking. Um, we're going to have to stop for a station ID for a second, but you're awfully young to be divorced. Am I the first person to ever say that? Well, no. by New York standards, but remember, I'm from Texas. Oh. And yeah. So. so how old were you when you got married? I got married at 27 and I was married only until 30 and then I moved to New York. Well, actually, true story, we didn't get divorced until a year into me being in New York, but he, that was the point. That was mm-hmm. what we were doing. So you got married and how long were you married? Uh, we were married only for three years. We were together for eight. Oh, wow. So how old were you when you met him? Um, I was 25 and he was in his 30s. Oh, oh, he's a bit older. Mm-hmm. Are you still friends with him or? Unfortunately, he, no. no. Unfortunately, did yeah. you like, did you like him? 
I mean, I think that we um, inspired each other and had a lot of fun and he could have been somebody that I should have just kept as a friend, you know? Hmm. Okay, so I just want to remind people to li- that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. I'm here with Celeste Rogers, who's a recent winner, champion of Chopped on the Food Network, the most popular show on the Food Network. And I just want to remind you to uh, go to our homepage, RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, or even my show page, and uh Donate money or get interested in what we're doing. We're having a uh, big music show um, first Thursdays on April 5th. Go and check it out. So when you met him, were you, you don't seem like you would take any shit from guys. Thank you. I mean, people Do you? say that to me now, and and I think that they would have said that to me before, but I think I was a little bit starry-eyed. I mean, partially the age difference. And then... How um, much older is he? He's six years older. That's not, which, well, I guess you know, when at you're that 25. Time, at that okay, time. Yeah, all right. And um, specifically, I was attracted to things that I had not experienced that he kind of had. So I what had always... What did he do? Um, he was, I mean, it wasn't about his job really. It was more like kind of life choices, but he was an architect. Um, but I had always had my head in the water or in the books growing up. Uh, I didn't get to travel much. Um, cause if I was out of water for more than five days, I'd get out of shape. And, um, yet we, I think we're very similar about both of us were, lo- were intellects, but we also were very physically active mm. and we met surfing and mm. he had, Oh. Um, surfed all over the world, oh, and Jesus. Um, he came from a background where he felt kind of like he could start his own business. He could do whatever. He was Canadian. wasn't worried about things like, "Am I going to get a job with health insurance?" You know, <laughs> like. Um, so he had this freedom to just say, "Hey, I'm going to take this job in Mexico," and that's where we met. I just dropped out of medical school and I moved to Mexico to just surf and kick it, and I met him there, and so we had this great fun like surf all over explore do whatever you want and make a job out of it life together that sounds like a very romantic way to meet somebody too the setting is perfect it was yeah (laughs) so did your parents like him uh no ah yeah why not um because they saw that that he didn't cherish me like from the beginning really that was their only complaint they're like he does not really that that into you were appreciative. He doesn't get it. And oh, they got that right away. Good. They were protective. And what did you, what did you think? Um, I thought that I didn't need that. I told them, "Why do I need somebody who just fawns over me? I'm mm-hmm. more interested in somebody that um, you know, pushes me. Like I'm having a better life than I did before where I used to kind of think only inside the box. Now mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. And he probably did have that effect on you in a good For way. For sure, absolutely. But so did is that ultimately do you think that your parents um so ultimately how did it fall apart was it because of that um yes i mean i would say that I that's we're the on a real know, story there's always the little individual things that, yeah i mean i know we're on a radio show that's like <laughs> you know less than an hour but so so do you think that he so you do in hindsight do you see your parents as they were instincts were right yeah absolutely but do you think that them talking about that uh help you know influenced you to think that way no i mean i definitely needed to learn the hard lesson myself i like i had mm-hmm. to learn it about five times before mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. i made any action mm-hmm. was he's was it your 
idea to break up. Ultimately, which is so funny because he used to do things to push me. Um, and then we'd talk about it and he'd say like, well, the reason I'm doing it is because I'm basically testing you if you're going to leave me. So that, he was, and I'm afraid. like, I'm not going to leave you until finally, finally like, it had enough. What would he give us, give us an example, give us a good example. Well, Come I on. mean, obvious cheating. Yeah. He cheated on you. For sure. Oh, that's fucked up. We don't tolerate that on here unless you're okay with it. <laughs> if you're like, yeah, I slept around, but you know, no, if you're not okay with that, then we don't, we don't tolerate that. And then have more than one once. Yes. Oh, that must be, that must be very, very painful. Is it? It is, but it's almost comical at this point. Like, I can't believe I I put up, I I told myself stories that would rationalize that as acceptable. Hmm. Hmm. And you were young. And do you, how do you think that affects your dating? I asked you before, she's single, I already asked. Uh, I mean, this woman's so desirable. So, how do you think that's affected your, do you, you date? Do you go on dates? Yes. You, you get asked out on dates for sure. Yes. And do you go out? How do you, are you dating? For sure. Anyone? No, I'm, I'm very open now, especially to meeting the right person. I think when I first moved to New York, I was still open, but wasn't wanting to really meet the right person because I just wanted to figure out, A, am I going to be able to make a living in this city and stay here? be like I don't need to get into something new immediately that's the right the right new mm-hmm. the, the long term new mm-hmm. um so I've had a ton of fun dating mm-hmm. in New York and meeting a lot of different people um many friends all of that um I would say now I'm finally ready to um entertain the idea of meeting the right person but again like I'm not trying to force that mm-hmm. at all have you had any long like more than six month relationships? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, and uh, really only one. And that was uh, kind of unfortunate because um, we're friends first. And, um, you uh, know, I really wasn't ready for uh, for a relationship. So that's kind of why that ended. And you meet guys mostly in person, I bet. Yes, mostly in person. I mean, I'll... I'll, I'll fuck with the dating apps but uh, uh, they're just look guys <laughs> don't feel bad okay this woman is vivacious and um she also has a lot of she meets a lot of people in public so don't feel bad okay i mean if you feel if you're like listening to this and you're like why am i not meeting anybody look she's got a job with the public get a job teaching yeah. the public do you meet well, people or that way just say yes to things so say yes to things i had That's a rule great. for myself in new york the first six months i was only allowed to be at home alone one night a week not meaning go home with other people but meaning be out yeah and out could be like i'm gonna eat dinner at a at the bar and talk right. to the bartender and see who else or i'm gonna go to an art opening that i don't know anyone there but I'm going to be in a position to meet other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now there's a little bit less of going to random events, but I still say yes to my friends saying, hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Come to the show. Yeah, that's great. Do you do you? Uh, I mean, I think what do you what do you think about dating in the city? I mean, I hear I, I mean, you, oh, it's you, hard. you seem like a great example. Well, I'm probably the worst in the same uh, the the classic, you know, terrible thing about New York is we're all too busy. And then we all kind of second better each other because there's always a thousand other things you can be doing. And mm-hmm. so you kind of make these tentative plans with people and then you don't follow through mm-hmm. because you got something else that you'd rather do last mm-hmm. minute. 
And um, I'm sure I've been guilty of that as well Mm because we're all just moving too fast. It's like, you know, an ADD land and it plays out in the dating world. And there is this idea of there could be anything great around the corner. Yeah. It doesn't exist in other cities. Ah, You know, I think that there's a lot more settling for something that's really fucking great in front of you in other cities. And here it's like, there's something great in front of you, but there might be something better. And do you find that with guys (laughs) are like that? Yeah, sure. But I mean, I would say that plenty of my girlfriends are like that that too. too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think that's a really, really good point and do you think about like eventually you want to get married and have kids i do i can't imagine not doing that because i'm from such a happy family background that i can't imagine a life that wouldn't include that but because i'm also from such a happy family background i kind of don't care about chasing that as hard i'm wanting to chase these things that i didn't get growing up with which is maybe some entrepreneurship maybe some uh, credit or, you know, having credit to be my own star. Mm-hmm. My So you, you had problems with that with your husband. He didn't want you to be, you are, you were the star in a lot of ways, obviously, because you were winning awards and doing, you were out in public and he was your date, right? Well, no, I mean, he also was a star in his own right, but um, we ended up moving to Hawaii because he got a great job opportunity and that pulled me away from um, America's Test Kitchen and being on the track that I wanted to be mm-hmm. on. You know, in a perfect world, it's like I would have tried to be the editor of a food magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the track that I was mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, editorial doesn't pay much and his job did. And we both loved to serve. And we had both previously lived in Hawaii before meeting each other. So when that opportunity arose, we moved there. But then he was surprised when there was absolutely nothing good for me to do there. You know, it was like a work at a hotel or a restaurant. Did he care? Uh, no, but he just wanted me to figure that out. And so I started doing the things that interested me, working with the National Tropical Botanical Gardens on wow. different post-harvest research with canoe crops, uh, running a farmer's market and doing co- cooking demonstrations with the Kauai County Farm Bureau, things like that. But it was having to create something out of nothing And then, um, you know, the criticism that I would get uh, from him was a combination of, why haven't you made it yet? And, well, why don't you just go move back to the mainland and you can run whatever it is that you want. Move without me. Right. But he, and he, quote, wished he was still married to a rock star. Had he been married to a rock star? No, meaning me. So he was like missing that about me. Like, so go do it. Go chase it. Oh, you weren't successful enough. He's competitive and you're competitive. Yeah. I mean, I'm competitive too. So <laughs> like, so you're, you're, you're a pretty career. You're really career focused. But I you? was so happy I mean, because of fine. my family background. I would have in a different relationship with him probably just been this happy surfing, stay at home mom cooking with tropical fruits and having a great time kicking it with surfers at the farmer's market right. you didn't need you didn't need to prove anything but he needed you to prove something yeah isn't it yeah and how about with guys that you date now i think that's always a problem i mean i have that problem with my husband frankly about who who gets to be who gets to be the king yeah um i think it's a big problem with men and women in general and you're a very accomplished woman and going to be an even more accomplished woman obviously on your way up so how does do you see that as a problem now or what no i i think it's more about screening for the right people screening Mm -hmm. for people that um don't get too attached to my success 
So, um, you know, that was one of the, the rides I had with my ex was he uh, would get so enthusiastic when things were going well for me. Uh, and so I don't want to be in a relationship with a person that's in a relationship with my career. Oh, that's interesting. So he wasn't, he wasn't that really, be icing. he wasn't really like into doing better than you or being the star. No, he, he wanted to you take to credit be the star and he, to make him how look did he good. take credit? Well, it, this is my wife. This is what she's uh, done since we moved to Hawaii. And I set her up with these people to be able to work with. Oh, he was taking credit for like your, your connections say, um, well, the work that I eventually started doing there. How could an architect take credit for that? Um, you know, he was a developer and the property he was developing was next to the botanical gardens and that, whatever, whatever. It, he, that's he neither drew, here nor there. He drew really thin lines, didn't he? Right. He had really, he made, <laughs> he needed, he needed, what, so you don't want to So what I screen for is somebody who just straight can celebrate what I'm doing and then that's just kind of a fun and on the side. I want to mm-hmm. actually connect mm-hmm. with my lover about mm-hmm. things other than my career. Can you, t- can you tell us uh, somebody that you've dated that, you don't don't name names or anything, but somebody that you dated that you thought and what you liked about him, what you thought was a good example of somebody, you know, um, that that you would, con- you know, like whatever. I don't know. You're like, not, what's you, an example of what's that a that good guy? For? What's your idea of a good guy? Um, I mean, I definitely want or I've had and enjoyed when mm-hmm. somebody is very curious about what I'm up to, wants to know, but then wants to know about my reaction to that. Like, how does that feel for you is more important than what have you accomplished? What check boxes? Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about my job, it's for the sake of understanding where I'm at in my headspace right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like, how cool are you right mm-hmm. now? <sighs> You're very, you know, you're going, you're successful. You're going to be even more successful. But, and what do you, what do you think, like, you're, we are talking now about you in relationship to your career and guys. So what about you? Do you think that you want them to value? What about them besides the work, the career? Um, like, I, I mean, I think that I'm a very loyal person and, um, I'm good at turning anything into something positive. Mm-hmm. And so I would rather be appreciated for those things for basically like showing up and being mm-hmm. there in mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. and then also adding to your life, making it more joyful. Mm-hmm. And what what's what is the most common thing about guys that you've dated that you think like, ooh, I'm not going out with that dick again? <laughs> um Hmm. You can take your time and think about it. I'll tell the, I'll tell everybody how great Radio Free Brooklyn is and that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn with Dr. Lisa. <laughs> Dr. Lisa gives a shit. Um, I guess just also, okay, here's an opposite end to what you What's just described. What's obnoxious about men? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of kind of little boys. Like one of my least favorite things is let's play it by ear. That's one of those, oh. bitch, I plan. You think uh, that I'm just waiting to see whether or not you're interested in following up on that thing that we talked about maybe doing? Oh, and then what happens? Will you just not? Oh, then I just make other plans. And I'm, and then they'll hit me up and say like, hey, like, let's do that. And I'm like, well, we, we didn't make a plan. So I wasn't going to sit and wait 
see if you're going to make a plan with me. So people that don't make plans and do, is it more like that they don't respect your time? Yes, that's the biggest thing that it comes down to is that implies then that I don't have enough going on with other interests or friends or job that I'm literally just leaving windows of time open for somebody to decide to maybe hang out with me. Do you think that that they expect to be put first? Perhaps. I mean, it might be a power play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, what are, is there anything in, like, what kind of guys are they that you're talking about? Are they guys? No, that- usually they're not that interesting because they're the kind of people that don't make plans. And the kind of people that don't make plans <laughs> don't have a lot going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, uh, so what kind of guys do you usually date? Is there any kind of connection? No, I mean, I'm a weirdo because my friends will point this out. They're like, God, we can't figure out what your type is because you'll date the gamut. And then maybe part of that is also when I first moved here, not wanting to, I knew, you know, I didn't want my my old relationship and I wanted to try on kind of everything. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. which of these makes sense? Mm-hmm. Um, but... I've definitely um, dated a lot of artists. I've also uh, dated, I mean, just the nature of New York, even people who are in finance. So Mm -hmm. it's like the full full gamut. gamut. Um, And then looks wise, like plenty of people that are super athletic and plenty of people that just like regular bros. Um, So it's not about about beards. (laughs) You know, beards are a little bit hard for me because my dad has a beard. So and no and not many other men used to have beards. So it wasn't a symbol of masculinity to me growing up, but straight like father figure. Right, right, right. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. But you have a good relationship with your dad. I have a great relationship, but like I'm not trying to make out with my dad. And so I think think you have a good attitude about men in general. Yeah. I mean my dad is fabulous. He's um, you know, made a great choice in partnering with my mom and they continue to have an amazing life. They'll call me from like the road in Chiapas and they're like, we've been driving for a month. You want us to pick you up some textiles? Wow. Yes. Wow. And you said your mom was a yoga instructor. Yeah. So she has a a school to train teachers. It's more about like how to meditate and die right than it is about yoga for abs. Die right? Meaning like how to prepare yourself for something beyond just this bodily physical experience. Does does that have a religious component? Kind of. um, I would say it's more like an energetic component. Mm Mm-hmm. So she really embraces um, physical activity and spirituality together as well, in a way. Yeah, it's kind of, um, you know, physical activity and sort of mental health, like mental, mental health. health. Like right. you, you should move your body so that you keep your mind right. Right, right, right. So what do you, you have so much, I mean, you are so, you are really positive and I think that's, and, but you're also really curious and I think those things go together, right? Because uh, I think they feed on each other when you're really positive, you're open to new experiences and then you see them positively and then you have more positive experiences and then you want more experiences and more positive experiences. Is that what it's like? Yeah. I mean, that what it's like to be well adjusted. (laughs) Is that what it's like to be happy? What would that be like? I want to know. That's what it seems like. And um, Liz seems, I know like Liz, Liz is a complicated, because she's smart as you are. Right. I mean, everyone's complicated, but she's a pretty 
po- I see a lot of positivity in right. her as well. She is. And I think both of us would say that when we're spinning things as a positive, it's also for our own personal best interest. Mm-hmm. Because often mm-hmm. the more you say something and the more you mm-hmm. spin it, it mm-hmm. becomes that way. So see, I'm learning something here. Like if I surrounded myself with some more positive-minded people, I might be more positive. Right. It doesn't mean, <laughs> you know, giving yourself a lobotomy. You don't have to be no, stupid no, no. to see, you know, the good in something. And I think there's this misconception that intelligence is about seeing all, you know, pointing out the negatives and critiquing. Excellent point. The irony. Excellent, excellent, excellent yeah. point here. Yes. Yes, that's easy to do, isn't it? Right. Crit- criticizing is easy. Right. Um, what about obstacles in your life, though? Just to give everybody a three three dimensional, like, what do you perceive as obstacles? Um, your biggest, you personally, what's your biggest obstacle? Well, I think kind of not knowing exactly what I wanted to do with my life has meant that I've uh, done a lot of public belly flops, meaning, hey, I'm in medical school, but actually don't want to be here i'm gonna blow my life up with you know the entire peanut gallery giving me advice on my life and Mm -hmm. pulling their hair out watching me Mm -hmm. drop out of medical school and move to mexico to surf so did you you know that was right for you though i mean there's an inner strength yeah i did Did you ever question it but there's a big people pleaser part of me and all of my life before that i was the good student and um good athlete and so I hadn't really done something with that much kind of, oh, shit, what is she doing? Um, kind of questioning or, ooh, ooh, ooh too bad. Um, so it wasn't easy for me, even though it was what I wanted to do. Um, there was a people pleaser part of me that felt the need to explain it to everyone or um, just kind of disappointed myself that I wasn't, um, that I haven't had it all figured out. Yet. Was that a turning point in your life? Definitely a turning like point. Like a liberating turning point? Like, yes. Like in a way of freedom? Yeah. Freedom to know who you are? Um, well, freedom to try things. I used to always think that I had it figured out and that I, I was like this little adult child. Mm. Um, I knew the right way to do things and I would wake up early and eat healthy and so do disciplined. everything right. And now I kind of have a fuck it, let's try it attitude, mm. which plays over into personal life or fun or all of it. And I mm-hmm. used to, I was not a fun child. <laughs> My mom literally remember, or I remember her telling me, she goes, Celeste, six years old, Celeste, you have a type A personality. You're going to die of a heart attack. Cause I was like, Berating her for making me late to ballet practice. <laughs> what kind of six-year-old knows their schedule better than their mom? Whoa. Yeah, I was mad That's that really she, innate. Was, she was making me late. That's really innate. Is that, do you do you have any idea where that came from? Is that a control? Is there a control issue? I mean, I think that's truly my nature because my really parents is. are much yeah. more chill than I am, so especially my mom. So you really, really have that in your nature. I was high-strung. Yeah. Yeah. And also you're really physical. Yes. So those things could really go together. I mean, I needed the balancing activities. I think like dropping out of medical school, even that and to not have a plan immediately, um, even though I knew I needed to have a full break before I could come up with what it was that I really, really wanted mm-hmm. and not some reactionary mm-hmm. kind of plan. Mm-hmm. Um, it still was so against my nature that I had to kind of tell myself you're just gonna chill and just 
go surf. Don't think about it. And how was it once? Was that um, emotionally difficult when you got there? Um, A little bit um, because I felt the need to have a plan, if nothing else, a financial plan. Like how long am I going to allow myself to go without earning, you know, how how long am I going to let myself keep earning pesos? (laughs) Right. Uh, But you were living in a less expensive environment. Oh, for sure. I mean, but it was ridiculous. I was earning pesos working with, um, by the way, illegally. I was an illegal immigrant, meaning I was on a tourist uh, visa. But um, I worked with a nonprofit down there because I already had my master's right. in public policy. But I was working with the Weichel, which are these, um, you know, artistically inclined um, native to the Americans group. And they made all this beautiful art. And I was basically helping sell art in a gallery so, and making pesos. Really? I could use some of that. Right. Um, but the po- the point is, is that you... it. There was a level of sensibility there because you uh, had a degree. It wasn't like like kids. That wasn't crazy. That was crazy, but not really that crazy. Okay? <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> not that crazy. She had a degree. I also think that having achieved so much as a child uh, must be liberating as an adult. Like all those achievements must give you a really... Solid- it is, but it's twofold. I think I often look at myself now and I'm like, God, I was on track to being something important. And now I'm just like this cook, like I'm barely pay her bills in New York. Divorcee. <laughs> like staying up too late and just like but you're like it. an over. You were an overachieve. Well, I mean, that sounds almost an, I hate that word, but in a way you were an overachiever because yes. you were so self-motivated. So do you feel like you kind of owe yourself like a fun time now a little bit? A little bit. I, that's yeah. what I tell myself. You're taking when a little bit of a break from your life. You Maybe that's partly why you're happy and you're free. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, it, you deserve it. On the inside, though, I wish that I was more successful. I definitely wish that I was more successful, too. It's like I want both. Uh-huh. Um, you've got... So what? what's your idea of being... We only have five minutes left. And I do want to make this point that I made to you when we were talking uh before we got on the air which is that you have a lot of accomplishments and a lot of experience and learning in the food industry i don't know if i'm using the right word food industry and that you have helped a lot of other people achieve success you've done work towards them and now is the time we want everyone to know that Everything's going to have Celeste's name on it now. You are going to move forward with things that you can be seen for, right? Yes. I mean, I'm kind of trying to figure out how. But Mm -hmm. yes, like boldly, I'm ready to say that. That's what Mm -hmm. I want. Mm -hmm. Instead of pretending like I don't want it, because I've had to, because it wasn't an option. Like Uh that would have been Celeste giving some pipe dream. Mm -hmm. Like I want to have getting close. So what do you think that dream would look like? Like if you could imagine it would it be you know a cooking school i mean i'd love to have my own cooking show a tv show of mm-hmm. cooking oh, yeah that seems like a possibility doesn't it i'm uh, working on it working oh, on we got to get you a manager and an agent are you working on it do you go on like a, 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 i, I um, are you yeah i'm talking with a company right now but i can't give too too many details oh about we're that. working on it but so i mean want- that said that's 
might not come into fruition. And so it's, well, it's, it's vulnerable to say that, that that's what I want and I'm uh-huh. trying to do it because uh-huh. if I don't get it, now the public knows I failed. Oh, no, this is my radio show. This is not the public. <laughs> uh, it's good to hear you say that. And I see that as a realistic goal. I think that did other people tell you that too. Did somebody come to you and ask you about it? Yes. Was it through the, through the uh, cooking show, the, the Food Network? Kind of. Um, I had filmed the show already, but it hadn't aired yet. So they saw you in action. Um, they heard about it in action. Shen, yeah. yeah. Meaning somebody else in the industry. Yeah, I could, I could totally see you having an on-air presence. That would be that would be awesome. I can't wait till you do because then I can you know put this radio put this session on the air and everything. Well, then I can like. have you on and I can help solve your problems in the kitchen. <laughs> I can be like, tell me about your latest baking fail, and we're gonna problem solve it. I'll tell you really. <laughs> I know this is. I'll tell you. Did you know I used to be really into cooking? By the way, no. Did I ever tell you that? What? I was obsessed oh. with cooking in my twenties. Awesome. I, I was. Uh, just obsessed with it because of my food issues. Mm-hmm. And I finally got control over food and there was nothing else to do in my boyfriend's big apartment. And then when we broke up, I gave up cooking altogether and I don't care anything about cooking. But when Phil meets somebody from my 20s and they say, God, you were the best cook, it goes nuts. That's amazing. But you know, it's funny, like for you, cooking seems to be a passion that do- does it have a real emotional quality to it or for sure i think it has this visceral kind of emotional quality in that i think it's the thing that makes us the most human that most of us still do on kind of a daily basis um because we all have to eat and it is kind of this participation in society because somebody else grew the food for you and you're eating it the way that you're eating it because um of certain traditions or trends or history um so it's something that like when i do it when i cook for especially for other people or or my friends for my family um i feel like i'm participating in this kind of like spiritual level wow so you see it in a much more sociological way than a lot of cooks who see it as look what i made way no i feel like i'm participating in a whole history that came before me wow that's amazing how do you, how do you live like that in a world where everything is packaged and stuff? Or do you feel like you want to impart that? Yeah, I mean, now that said, um, food is something like we all just have to eat. And we have to put calories in our body. So I'll certainly eat some packaged cereal no, here I and mean, there. Yeah, and, I'm not yeah, saying it. Yeah, um, but, and that doesn't make me feel very connected to much. But, Interesting. But... Um, that said, I think that there's opportunities in whatever kind of part of the food system you're participating in to still, um, have this visceral experience. You get to enjoy a texture. You get to, so it still is just making you human. I love that idea. I love that idea of thinking about food in a way that it has, it connects you with other as an inclusive and all human and all being inclusive experience, not just about the actual what what you're eating in specific right yeah i love that it's a cultural experience folks we only have uh five seconds so i want to remind you to list stay tuned and listen to 